how we're fueling ourselves before, during, and after our workouts. And what I think a lot of people want to know is, does it matter what we eat or if anything, should we supplementing with during our workouts? And of course, that anabolic window that we've heard so much about. And that's what we're discussing on this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Today, we're doing a Q&A, and it seems that the majority of the questions that we had this week are going to be related to peri-workout nutrition. And when I say peri-workout nutrition, what I'm really talking about is how we're fueling ourselves before, during, and after our workouts. And what I think a lot of people want to know is, does it even matter? Does it matter what we eat before our workouts? Does it, does it matter what we eat or if anything, should we supplementing with during our workouts? And of course, that anabolic window that we've heard so much about, uh, is that even relevant? And if so, uh, what should we be eating and or drinking in that post-workout window to make sure that we're fueling ourselves for success, to make sure that we're optimizing our performance, our recovery, our ability to lose weight, to lose body fat, to gain muscle mass, and so on and so forth. So before I jump into this, I think it's really, really relevant to, to ask you and to help you think contextually around the types of questions that you ask in these situations. So when we are doing a Q&A, when I ask you to ask me questions around nutrition or training or supplementation or some, some combination of the above, I want to challenge you to think contextually. I want to challenge you to have nuanced thinking. I want to challenge you to think specific to goals that you may have in mind. So oftentimes when people ask questions, they're very nebulous they're very uh, open-ended. They're very general. Should I intermittent fast? Is intermittent fasting beneficial? Should I eat before my workout? Should I drink carbohydrate during my workout? What should I eat post-workout? All of these questions, the answer, uh, assuming you're speaking to someone that's somewhat educated, is always, always going to be, it depends. It depends on what are your goals? What are you currently doing? How does that make you feel? What type of training are you doing? How long are you training for? You know, what's your training age? How long have you been training? How much muscle mass do you have? What uh, is your body type? What is your current body fat levels? What are your energy levels like? What's your schedule look like? How many calories are you eating in a given day? So you can understand that this level of thinking is very necessary uh, to help establish some more specificity around these questions. So invariably, when you ask me questions, I'm going to come back with, it depends, because in nutritional scope, 
Uh, and in training scope, it really does always depend. But what I would encourage you to do is please start to get a little more specific with those questions, if possible, to help us hone in a little bit around uh, perhaps what specifically it is that you're trying to get to. So with that said, as I've alluded to, the answer is always, it depends. And when it comes to peri-workout nutrition, when it comes to how we're fueling ourselves in the before, during, and after training window, there's a lot of different things that we can and should be looking at. Namely, what is the overall objective of the client? What are you trying to accomplish? Okay, so it's gonna be it's gonna look very different uh, for someone that is trying to lose weight than someone who's trying to pack on lean muscle tissue. It's going to look very different for an 18-year-old male than a 65-year-old female. Um, how many calories per day are you needing to consume? And, and so I want to make that very clear is it's always going to depend. And at the end of the day, uh, it really depends on what's going to work best for you through trial and error. However, there are some sort of foundational principles at play, which we'll dive into now, assuming that you have some physique related goals. And I'll just, I think we can just generalize and say, peri-workout nutrition aside, whether we are trying to lose weight or whether we're trying to gain lean muscle tissue, what matters most at the end of the day is our total calorie intake, just how many calories we're consuming. And so if you can imagine, and this is, this is kind of something that we call a colleague, if you will, a peer in the nutrition space named Eric Helms, he kind of coined this nutritional hierarchy. So if you can imagine a, a pyramid or a triangle with different layers to it, the bottom layer, or like the old food guide pyramid, if you will, but the bottom layer, the most foundational layer of that pyramid is going to be calorie intake, right? It's just how many calories are we consuming at the end of the day? And if our goal is weight loss, then we need to make sure we're creating a calorie deficit. I've talked about this a lot. If we are looking to gain lean muscle tissue, we need to be in some level of a calorie surplus. Now, within that, uh, the next layer up is the macronutrients, right? The protein, the carbohydrate, and the fats. How much of each are, are we getting? And then beyond that is the micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals that are coming from the types of foods and that, that we're consuming. Above that is nutritional timing. And this is where we're going into peri-workout nutrition, what we're eating before, during, after. That's when we talk about intermittent fasting. That's when we talk about time-restricted feeding. That's when we talk about chrononutrition. Should I eat breakfast? Should I stop eating at 3 p.m.? What if I eat too close to bedtime? Again, it's not nearly as important as the bottom of the pyramid, which is, again, calorie, total calorie intake. And then at the very top, the most myopic aspect of overall health and wellness and physique change is supplementation. So before you think about, well, which way protein should I take, or should I take creatine, or should I take beta alanine intra workout or citrulline malate? And look, <laughs> biases aside, I mean, I have a supplement company and we formulated an amazing intra workout supplement, but it would be terribly irresponsible and immoral for me to 
pro simply promote the supplement before again addressing any any other aspects of these hierarchical nutritional factors of importance so again it's really important before you kind of dig too far into the minutiae to be asking yourself these questions is how am i managing my calories now one of the things that i really like about talking about peri-workout nutrition is i like the non-negotiable factors that uh, give us the opportunity to uh, look at how we're building out our day so assuming you're in control of your calorie intake and assuming you're training consistently then we can look at that training window now uh, assuming that we're uh, looking at our total calorie intake and we're managing our total calorie intake to some degree and assuming we're training frequency well all of a sudden we've got a couple non-negotiable factors that we need to factor into our and i think at the end of the day if we were able to add an element to that nutritional hierarchy that I just mentioned, right? This, this tiered approach to how we look at uh, our nutrition. I think that it might be beneficial to add sort of this corresponding level uh, to it that relates around consistency. And so I think what matters most is any way that you're consuming your nutrition while still managing your calorie intake that allows you to be consistent from day to day is the next most important factor within how we should be looking at our daily nutrition. And frankly, even if and how we should be worrying about our peri-workout nutrition. Now, got it. With that, with that said, um, we do have a great opportunity to fuel ourselves appropriately and strategically around this workout window. So regardless of when you train, and this is going to make an impact on what you eat, how much you eat, when you eat, obviously. Now, if you're going to train first thing in the morning, let's say you train fasted, right? So that means you've had no food or calories first thing in the morning. If you're going to train fasted, obviously that completely negates the pre-workout window. Now you certainly could drink a pre-workout drink. You certainly could drink some form of calories, whether it be protein and or carbohydrates pre-workout. And we can talk about the, you know, how much that really matters if it's necessary. Then of course you could drink something intra-workout and that would likely be followed by a post-workout meal. However, if you're going to train later on in the, in the morning, in the early afternoon, or in the evening, most people will have the opportunity to eat a solid pre-workout meal. So let's talk about this pre-workout meal. Let's talk about kind of what makes the most sense within a pre-workout meal, what the research says, and we're just going to keep this very surface level, but kind of anecdotally what works best for people as well as kind of what we see again in the literature in terms of what works best for people at the end of the day you need to figure out what works best for you ultimately the timing that works best for you but with that said is we we need to eat some protein and as i've alluded to in probably every single nutrition conversation that we've had is i think it's important to consume protein at every single one of your feedings or meals for lack of a better term 
uh, simply because we've established the relevance of getting enough protein in th throughout the day relative to your total calorie intake, the impact of protein on muscle protein synthesis. So if you're going in training, training is actually catabolic experience. You're going to be breaking down muscle tissue, at least if you're doing it correctly. And we need those essential amino acids that come from protein in order to stop the catabolic process and help us get more anabolic, help us build those proteins back up. That's how we maintain, if not improve lean muscle tissue. And that's the sheer purpose of training and then eating for recovery. So in that pre-workout window, we know we want to eat some protein. Depending on the time of day, this can be anything from a whey protein powder that, you know, whey protein is you can just mix in water, it's easily digestible, and you may consider consuming something like a easily digestible carbohydrate source. Now, the reason that we likely want to consume carbohydrate uh, specifically in the pre-workout window and or in the post-workout window, but specifically in the pre-workout window is because depending on the type of training that we're doing, we actually utilize those carbohydrates for fuel. And what we see is that when people don't have enough carbohydrate, and, and it's important to understand that when we consume carbohydrate, so think of oatmeal or think of rice or think of potatoes or bananas or pasta or juice, whatever. When we consume these foods and, and or beverages, they are broken down in the body and converted into glucose, into sugars that are then driven into the bloodstream to be stored in the muscles, in the liver, of course, depending on our physiological environment and or converted as fat or some combination of all of them. Now, when we exercise, we need to leverage this stored glucose, this stored energy, these stored sugars as fuel. So maybe you've experienced at some point in the past that you've gone for an early morning workout, perhaps you didn't eat anything and you kind of are getting into the workout and you just feel like you're bonking, like no energy, you're fatigued, you're lethargic, you're foggy headed. Maybe you feel like your blood sugar's crashing. Maybe you're getting nauseous from the training. Well, invariably that could be very low blood sugars in which what we see is that again, depending on the type of training, depending on the volume that we're doing, let's just assume that we're doing some aspect of strength training that is probably 30 to 45 to 60 minutes in duration, which is most of probably most of the people that I'm talking to, certainly most of our clients. And assuming we're training three to four days a week, which is ideal, then we probably need some carbohydrate in that pre-workout meal. Now, this is where the individual component comes in, in terms of when do we consume that and how much do we consume of what? And again, is we do want something that's easily digestible and that's really where it comes down to some fruit. It could very well be if it's in the morning, it could be some, uh, you know, some toast, it could be some oatmeal, it could be some cream of rice as fantastic as an easily digestible carbohydrate source. It could be some sweet potato, it could be some combination of all of, of all of the above. It could even be uh, again, like a whey protein plus some juice or some sort of carbohydrate solution, frankly, like even like a Gatorade powder or something like that. Now that I'll, I will get to that when I talk intra-workout nutrition, but the key here is that we do keep fat a little bit lower. So in all likelihood, we don't want to consume a huge chunk of fat pre-workout. So when I talk about fat, I'm usually talking about saturated fat sources, like a whole bunch of egg yolks, you know, a bunch of steak or hamburger or 
avocado or olive oil or coconut oil or anything that, and specifically it's because those fats are more slowly digested. And if you can imagine when you go in your train, we start to increase our blood flow. And what we want is we specifically want to increase the blood flow to our extremities, to our, our working muscles, to our legs and to our arms and to our chest and back, obviously. And if we are working to break down a meal in our stomach, then a lot of that blood is going to be pooled around our stomach and our intestines as a means to uh, facilitate the digestive process. So obviously that's going to be a conflict of interest. So what we want to make sure we're doing is, is consuming enough calories early on enough before that workout to ensure that we're getting the fuel that we need for our workout and that we also have enough energy to facilitate the workout at hand. And now again, all of this guys is going to come down to where we are in our calorie plan. It's going to be very different if we're in a calorie deficit, where in the calorie deficit you are. I've had several clients who are, you know, in week three, week four, week seven of a more aggressive calorie deficit, depending on the person. And it's very different for them in terms of how many calories they need to consume and what ratios of calories to get them through the workouts, because the keys here are that they're uh, fueling themselves as much as possible to get the best workout possible before, during, and after to really leverage that training as a, as a benefit to them. It's very different if we're in a calorie surplus. I think you get that. And so if I were to give you some specific ideas around this pre-workout window, that would look like, you know, again, oatmeal with perhaps a little bit of fat in it, maybe some walnuts, maybe a little bit of nut butter, uh, maybe some maple syrup to ramp up the carbohydrate, maybe a scoop of whey protein powder in there, or some egg whites, uh, you know, classic bodybuilder stuff. Like I love doing cream of rice with some maple syrup, some egg whites. So we've got solid lean protein sources. We've got easily digestible carbohydrate sources, and it seems to give me good energy for a couple hours that when I get in the gym, when I'm training hard, I don't get any gastrointestinal distress. Again, I have good energy. It helps me recover well. Um, and it, it just, I feel good. And so you're going to have to play around with what that looks like for you. Sometimes, frankly, it's just a whey protein shake and a banana you know, and that's maybe 30 minutes before, and then I can hit the gym. So the key is, and you know what, I think I, I put together a pre-workout nutrition guide or a peri-workout nutrition guide that's a free download. So I'll post that in the show notes section here. Uh, and hopefully that will be helpful for you. Now let's transition to intra-workout nutrition. And obviously we're not going to eat anything intra-workout, or if you didn't know, we probably shouldn't be eating anything intra-workout again, simply because understanding that if we're trying to drive as much uh, blood to the muscles as possible, well, we don't really want to be working hard to digest foods. I'm assuming that makes sense for you. So for most people here, most of you listening, you don't need to consume anything other than water and perhaps some electrolytes, sodium, magnesium, potassium, bicarbonate, if nothing else would be water with a hefty pinch of sea salt in it. And the reason for that is, is simply because the salt helps us leverage glucose disposal a little more efficiently. It helps us leverage the sugars that we're consuming. Not only does it help us do that, but it helps us absorb 
uh, our fluids into the cells more effectively. Uh, also is because of the levels of stress that we're under, not only from training, but just in general life, the rate at which we use these minerals to manage our stress, stress response, to help us manage just the biochemical reactions that we're under every single day. What we're starting to see is that people need a lot more electrolytes than we once thought. And so what that means is salting your water or making sure you're going out of your way to actually include specific electrolyte supplements to every single glass of water that you have, assuming you're drinking a lot of purified water or RO water. We need to have some minerals in there to make sure we're, we're absorbing them. So if you have any questions about that, I can definitely do another Q&A or podcast episode just on electrolytes or shoot me a message. So again, is in that intro workout window, just consuming a lot of water with some electrolytes. Now, if you are someone, and here's where we can start to get into some of the nuances, is if you are in a calorie surplus, if you need to be eating a lot of calories, that can be difficult throughout the day. Not many of you, frankly, are in that position, and that's fine. But I just want to help you understand when it might be appropriate because this workout window, this peri workout window, the before, the during, and the after is a beautiful time physiologically, biochemically for us to absorb a lot of sugars by virtue of the fact that we're being physically active. And one of the things that we know about being more physically active, and this isn't just relegated to strength training in general. However, it certain apply, certainly applies to strength training. It certainly applies to cardiovascular exercise. It certainly applies to just general movement is when we are more physically active, we can absorb carbohydrate more efficiently. And the reason that we can do that on a cellular level. And when I say more efficiently, what I mean is basically in the absence of insulin, which normally is the driver of glucose into the cells. But here's the thing, and here's the beautiful thing about exercise, specifically consuming more sugars and more carbohydrates around our training, whether you wanna use training as a, um, as a reason to consume more carbs or whether you simply wanna leverage your carbs in that training window or both is basically understanding that when we exercise specifically more intensely, we drive these sugar receptors. They're called GLUT4 receptors. We drive them to the uh, surface of the cell. It's basically like I'm in my house right now. It's super hot in here. I would really love to get some fresh air. Now, normally I would need someone to come by the insulin to come and help me open the windows. In this particular case, when I exercise, I can go and open all the windows myself. I can open up the windows and allow all of the fresh air in. And that's essentially what's happening when we exercise relative to uh, the sugars in our bloodstream whether you're type two diabetic, whether you're insulin, well, that's the same thing, insulin resistant, whether you feel like you're quote unquote carbohydrate intolerant, whether you're a skinny dude, hard gainer, it doesn't really matter, but it's a very opportune time for us to consume more carbohydrate. And that's part of the reason why we want to make sure that we're consuming carbs pre-workout, why we could justify consuming carbs intra-workout, and I'll tell you what that could look like, and certainly why we want to be consuming more carbohydrate in that post-workout window, 
assuming part of our plan is to consume a hefty dose or even a moderate dose of carbohydrate, generally speaking, that my friends is going to be the very best time to leverage your carbohydrate intake. If you took nothing away from this, I think that probably the most valuable piece of information would be understanding that dude hard gainer, it doesn't really matter, but it's a very opportune time for us to consume more carbohydrate. And that's part of the reason why we want to make sure that we're consuming carbs pre-workout, why we could justify consuming carbs intra-workout. And I'll tell you what that could look like. And certainly why we want to be consuming more carbohydrate in that post-workout window, assuming part of our plan is to consume a hefty dose or even a moderate dose of carbohydrate. Generally speaking, that my friends is going to be the very best time to leverage your carbohydrate intake. If you took nothing away from this, I think that probably the most valuable piece of information would be understanding that um, one of my uh, old mentors used to say, you need to earn your carbs. And what essentially that means is if you are not physically active, then frankly, you do not deserve to consume any carbohydrate because again, the reason why we want to move is so that we can bring those uh, glucose transporters to the cell surface so that we can absorb sugars into the muscle, into the liver, as opposed to it just circulating around the body and being stored as fat. And so you need to earn your carbs and that's where this training comes in. So if you're in a position where you need to consume and, or you want to consume more carbohydrate, then the peri-workout window is a beautiful time. Now with the intra-workout, uh, this is becomes a very easy and relevant time for someone that needs a lot more calories to take in a lot of those calories from supplemental carbohydrate. Now, this can be anything from a more fancy carbohydrate powder. One of the things I recommend with a lot of clients is something called branched cyclic dextrins, or some people refer to it as cluster dextrins. Essentially, it's sort of like easily digestible carbohydrate powder that is going to be again, like quickly digested, quickly leveraged into fuel in the body and help facilitate this repair process more expeditiously. The other things that we could do is simply like a diluted Gatorade powder. That's basically just glucose. It's dextrose. It's basically the same as glucose. So it's basically sugar that you're consuming. Now you could do that with some essential amino acids, which are basically proteins. So you could do either a whey protein powder if you wanted to, again, depending on what time of day you're training, or you could do a product like our complete essentials. Yes, that's a shameless plug, but the essential amino acids can be something that can be beneficial again, to drive faster muscle recovery in that intra-workout window in conjunction with also driving more carbohydrate uh, absorption. And so otherwise, I don't, I generally don't think it's very necessary for anyone to consume calories during their intra-workout window. And again, we certainly don't need to be consuming food. I would urge against it. If you're like in the gym long, so long that you're so hungry that you need to be taking handfuls of of nuts and like granola. And I've seen people eating bars during their workouts. And I would just say, you know what, you need to do a better job fueling yourself pre-workout, get in the gym, crank out your workout, get focused, turn off your phone, crank through it, and then get out of there and fuel yourself up. And so I think that brings us to this post-workout window. Oh, you know what? The one thing I didn't mention with respect to intra-workout carbs, the other thing that I really like is can be a reasonable option is juice. 
something like a pomegranate juice. And uh, so some juices, basically it's kind of a mix of glucose and fructose. And the reason that's beneficial is because it's a little bit more slowly absorbed. So depending on the person, depending on their body fat levels, depending on their glucose sensitivity, they're going to be able to absorb it leverage those sugars kind of steadily throughout the course of their workout and expedite the recovery process to say nothing of, again, leveraging those carbs at a time when they're going to be most effectively absorbed. Now, one of the things, as I'm alluding to around this training window, one of the things that I think is important that might resonate with some of you. Recently, I've spoken with a lot of people who have a genuine fear of consuming carbohydrates. I have several clients that either are coming to me from a ketogenic diet, they still are currently ketogenic, well, to some degree, and or they're practicing some level of a high fat, moderate protein, extremely low calorie, uh, low carbohydrate intake, and or they just have a general fear of carbohydrates. Um, if we couple that with someone who is over fat uh, and or insulin resistant, so if you have body fat, a good amount of body fat to lose, you feel like just you're the type of person that just doesn't do well with carbohydrates, maybe you eat uh, some carbs, whether it be rice or pasta or bread or something, the next day you feel like you're just up like 10 pounds or you just feel like crap. This can be a great time for you to start to slowly introduce your carbohydrate intake for the very reasons I just mentioned. And what those carbohydrate sources would look like could very simply be, it could be some juice intra-workout. It could be some carbohydrate powder intra-workout. It could very simply just be some berries in your pre-workout meal with like a protein shake and, or it could be some berries or, uh, again, something that's uh, a little higher in fiber could be some sweet potato. It could be some whole grain bread in that post-workout window as a means to effectively absorb the carbs in a way that your body's going to be more likely to start to digest and absorb it and utilize the sugars so that you can progressively ramp up that carb intake is the way that we currently do this with a lot of clients who are more carbohydrate intolerant, more insulin resistant, have a fear of carbs and or because we want to really leverage this intra workout window. So again, it's very new understand that it's very contextual dependent. Now, going into this post workout window, this is really where we need to look at, again, all the, the big picture here. What I was discussing previously is the non-negotiable around the workout and having a set pre and post-workout meal. One of the things that we see, foundationally speaking, that works best for most people, regardless of whether it's fat loss or muscle gain, is their meal frequency. And for most people, having three to four meals per day seems to be like the golden standard of feedings, you know, if you will, it seems to be just like what works best for most people, given their schedules. If we go the intermittent fasting route and we just go to two meals, what becomes difficult is the timing of those meals, the timing of those meals relative to their workout, getting enough protein at each of those meals. And of course, when you're consuming that much at a given meal, depending on where your calories need to be, essentially just effectively digesting them, having good energy for your workouts and so on. But also like if we go to six meals or five or six meals, depending on the person, it also can be uh, just the pain in the ass that it is like no one 
realistically wants to consume six meals. And then you take a busy mom or dad with kids and you tell them to eat six meals per day and you know, forget it. They're gone. No chance. Uh, so again, is it seems to be that the kind of just right dose seems to be three to four meals per day, even if it's two solid meals and a shake. And so that could look like a lot of different things, but it could be a pre-workout meal in the morning, a, a mid to late training, right? So let's say breakfast at eight or nine, we train at 11, we do a post-workout shake and or meal at 12 or one, and then you eat a dinner at five or six, right? Maybe there's a little snack in between, maybe not. But with that, or you could do three meals and a shake, something like that. So I think it's important that when we look at our training window, then we can really realistically leverage uh, those that pre-workout meal and that post-workout meal as part of the non-negotiable principles that we're subscribing to as a means to help us. What did I say at the beginning? As a means to help us be more consistent. Because really, guys, that's what it all comes down to. What's going to help you be most consistent with your training, have the best energy during your training, maintain and manage your calorie intake most effectively. Also then choosing the types of foods that are going to help you feel the best. And because we're all different, I can't tell you what that's going to look like. I can merely suggest some of the things that I've seen work after years and years and years of doing this in hundreds, if not thousands of clients. Now in that post-workout window, it's very similar to the pre-workout meal. It's a protein source, as I've alluded to. And I do think this becomes a little more specific in that we want to make sure we're getting enough protein really throughout this whole time. So whether you do a pre-workout shake or intra-workout essential amino acids or post-workout shake or just post-workout chicken or steak or whatever it is, you do need to make sure you're getting enough. One of the things that we know about training about recovery is making sure you're getting enough of the right essential amino acids. These are the building blocks of protein. These are specific amino acids that work to form protein. So if we were to take a steak and we were literally to like break it apart into its, its molecular compounds, we'd have all these peptide bonds um, that again, if we were to, to leverage them into their free forms would be all of these different essential amino acids, leucine and isoleucine and valine and tryptophan and so on and so forth. And one of the ones that we know is most important is leucine. And we know that in order to facilitate muscle protein synthesis, or basically get the biggest bang for our buck that we can from the food that we're consuming intra-workout is by getting enough leucine. And what that looks like is roughly three to four, two, you know, three to four grams per person. It is dependent on weight. And I'm not going to get into the specific ratios, but basically saying, look, if you're a female, you should probably be getting at least 30 grams of protein. If you're a male, depending on your size, if you're over 200 pounds, you probably need closer to 50 grams of protein. Now you could do that in two scoops of whey protein, or you could do that in seven ounces of chicken. Um, but understanding that it might need to be a little bit more chicken or steak simply because that has to go through the breakdown process and you're not necessarily going to absorb all of that. But again, that kind of is a bit minutia. So we want a good chunk of protein. We want to make sure that we're in a position to effectively digest and absorb it. And I think when it comes down to this post-workout window, there's no magical time. There's no quote unquote anabolic window. It, the, the days of like 
finishing your last set, running over to the drinking fountain, filling up your shaker bottle, dumping in your protein powder and slamming it down as quickly as possible are long gone. What we know to be most important, as I've been alluding to, is that at the end of the day, we just want to make sure we're consuming enough protein and we're managing our calories. And these are the things that we teach every single one of our clients and specifically teach them how to leverage this into their day in a realistic way that fits within their lifestyle. But just understanding how to get those in. And this post-workout meal, whether it's liquid or real food nutrition can be an opportune time to do just that. So again, you're gonna have a protein source. This is where we also wanna consume some carbohydrate. Again, you've just exercised, you've just leveraged a lot of the sugars, depending on the intensity, the type, the duration. And one of the questions that we had lent itself to when does or doesn't pre and post-workout nutrition truly matter? depending on the time type and intensity of one's workout is what the question was. And that's exactly when it does. That's exactly what does matter. And again, the details of all of the things that were mentioned in that question, it, it matters based on the time, the type and the intensity of one's workout in conjunction with what are their goals? What are their body composition levels? What's the type of training that they're doing and so on and so forth. So to get anywhere further down that rabbit hole, I think would just not be necessary at this point. This is already going a little bit longer than I anticipated as per usual. So in the post-workout window, my friends, uh, we wanna make sure we're consuming some carbohydrate. Now that really can look like anything. Again, it could be a whey protein shake with some of that pomegranate juice. I think that if we were talking quantities, probably anywhere from 30 to 50 grams, generally speaking, for a female, um, anywhere from 50 to 100 grams for a male. Again, this is going to depend on how many carbs per day your sort of fits within your goals. But one of the things that I think is a good rule of thumb to focus on, if you are in a position to, to focus on some of this, if you've mastered the, the, the fundamentals, is consuming roughly 50% of your daily carbohydrate intake around that workout window. So whether it's before your workout, uh, so it's kind of split up evenly between your pre-workout, intra-workout and post-workout uh, calorie intake. And so maybe it's you know 200 grams or 300 grams of white rice or brown rice, it doesn't really matter. Maybe it's a potato, something that's gonna be a little slower digesting. Maybe for this is the only meal that you're gonna have for another five hours. And you found that a potato keeps you much more satiated than white rice for that given time. So this is where some experimentation can come into play. Uh, I would consume a little bit of fat, not a lot, uh, at this meal, again, we want, we're in a position post-workout where again, those cells are going to be very receptive to sugar. So we do want something that's somewhat easily digestible, but also has enough fiber to keep us satiated for a good period of time. You can consume some vegetables, but I wouldn't get too crazy with it. Um, and same thing with that fat. So uh, an example of what this meal could look like would simply be some chicken breast, some steak, some rice or potato, uh, perhaps a small salad or some, you know, sauteed vegetables. And maybe it's a little bit of butter or a little bit of olive oil, or if it's a fattier cut of steak, then that would probably be enough fat for that given meal. Or very simply, it could be a couple scoops of a whey protein isolate, which is a little more easily digested in conjunction with a, a juice 
So probably a cup of pomegranate juice, which would be like 35 grams of carbohydrate. And so that kind of gives you an idea of what that peri workout window can look like, what you and how you can kind of build out your meals to ensure that you're fueling yourself efficiently around that, that workout, but not so much that you're impacting the quality of your workout as well as perhaps sabotaging your weight loss goals. And so I think I'm going to wrap it at that. Uh, I hope that I answered all of your peri-workout nutrition questions. And then some, if I were to just briefly summarize before you ask the questions around what should I consume pre and post-workout, we need to establish what your goal is. Uh, are you trying to lose fat? Are you trying to build muscle? Are you trying to increase your energy? Um, you know, what is it that we're looking for? Beyond that, we need to factor in what your total calorie intake looks like. And are we trying to create a deficit or are we trying to create a surplus? Or are we just in a position where just generally trying to improve your nutrition habits, in which case, geez, do not even worry about the peri-workout window. Let's just worry about three square meals per day or four square meals per day, getting a protein, a little bit of carbohydrate, more vegetables, some healthy fats, getting you consistent with that. Beyond that, once you start to see some really good progress and you get into the, the habits and develop those skills around your meals, then we can start to get more specific around the nuances of your individual workout nutrition. Oftentimes, I've had clients be with me for uh, close to a year of fat loss before we even start to talk about uh, peri-workout nutrition, peri-workout supplementation. And so I think and I hope that that's helpful for you as a means to start to think about this process in a more long-term progressive fashion, as opposed to what can and should I be doing right now? What supplement should I order? When should I consume this as being not necessarily important as what am I doing day in and day out? How are those things serving me or are they not? And if they're not serving you and you are looking for the opportunity to learn the skills and tools and habits that are going to help you build a healthier nutrition plan, build a healthier lifestyle, create the energy to show up for your family, well, then uh, we are here for you. Uh, all you need to do is reach out and let us know and we can jump on a nutrition strategy call and uh, talk about where you are now, where you want to go, identify the roadblocks that are keeping you from getting there and uh, come up with a game plan to get you to your end goal. Uh, so let us know. You can reach out at bslnutrition.com forward slash level up. And uh, thank you again, guys, for tuning in. I hope this has been helpful. If it has, do me a favor and leave a positive rating and review in iTunes. And I would be so grateful if you'd share this with someone that you think can benefit. With that said, make it an awesome rest of your week. I love and appreciate every single one of you. And I'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you 
and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple.